that we've overcome. Amen? Amen. I get the distinct privilege today to introduce to you somebody that hopefully we all know, one of our own. Miss Naoma is going to come and share the word. She's got a timely word. She's going to share what God has done in her life. And I encourage you, if you're part of the online campus, many of us spent days and weeks praying for Naoma and Mike and their family. And here she is, a walking, talking miracle, going to share with us today. Welcome, Miss Naoma. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I am so honored to be able to speak to you today. Um, I usually am very honored when God allows me to speak his word, but I'm even more so because, like he said, so many of you were praying for me and my family while we got, we got COVID back in July, and I got very sick from it. And there was a time for a long time I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk on the phone to my family or my children. Um, I had to FaceTime them so that I could somewhat use some sign language or talk to them a little better. For a long time, I couldn't talk. So, and I like to talk. <laughs> the nurses and staff found out once I got some air that I'm actually a very chatty person. <laughs> and maybe they wanted to cut the oxygen back off. <laughs> so I'm very, very blessed. I feel so honored to speak today. Um, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. As, as Sydney said, I'm going to speak about peace. Um, funny, I'm speaking about peace and up here shaking. But she, she gave a wonderful scripture, a passage about peace. But I want us to turn to Philippians 4-7. This is a really good scripture to teach your children, especially if they're afraid of the dark or uh, afraid going into school. We quote this one in our household a lot. Um, and it's one that my husband is actually the one who had me memorize it by just, he said it so often in our marriage. Um, Philippians 4, 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Blessed and heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for each and every one who is here and online listening. I praise you for your peace and your goodness and your mercy, God. Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word today and to accept your word today. Lord, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. And God, let me not speak with enticing words of man's wisdom, but only through your Holy Spirit. In your precious and holy name I pray, amen. You may be seated. And if you've got a flip Bible, an actual paper Bible, you may want to stick your finger in uh, Matthew and also in Acts because we're going to be heading over there. But if you've got version, then you just go follow along with it. it. makes it nice. There once lived a king who announced to prize the artist who would paint the best painting depicting peace. This is not my own story. I'm not, this, I'm not that talented. 
Many great painters sent the king several of their best art pieces. One of the pictures among the various masterpieces was of a calm lake perfectly mirroring snow-capped mountains. It was beautiful. Over, overhead, the, there was blue, clear skies and puffy white clouds. And most of the people who viewed all the pictures of peace from all the various artists thought that this was the very best picture among all of peace. That looks peaceful. And a lot of times when we think of peace or at peace, this is what we think of. I, I picture in my mind lake vacations, toes dangling in the water, very peaceful, and a cup of coffee in my hand. But that picture of peace doesn't fit into Philippians 4, 7. He uses words like anxious. And Paul then uses a military term, guard, like a fort. If you, if you look that back, he's talking about like a fort would be guarding. When the king announced the winner, everyone was shocked. The picture which won the prize had mountains too, but they were rugged and bare. The sky looked angry, and there was lightning. And this did not look like a peaceful painting at all. It, it looked like the artist had mistakenly turned in a picture of t storm than peace. But if anyone would look closely, and do we have that up? If anyone would look closely at the painting, he could see a tiny bush growing in the cracks of the rock. And in that bush, amongst the storm, a bird had built her nest and was sitting on her nest at peace. We think of peace and we want to think of the lake and that cup of coffee. And we rarely think of the storm and the angry clouds. But the peace that God brings, according to this passage, through prayer and thanksgiving, it protects our minds from the external, what's going on, and from that storm, from the external corrupting influences to keep our minds focused on God's truth in the same way that a fort would protect or does protect those within it from a battle. That's not what we think of when we talk about peace, but that's exactly what ta Paul is talking about in Psalms 4-7. So what is this peace that passes all understanding? And if anybody's like me, you kind of want to dig deeper. What are you talking about? Let's dig a little bit deeper. And Jesus often used stories to explain biblical truths. And I'm going to do the same here. It's not just stories. They are all real events that happened. I'm going to use the same idea and give you a few stories. And uh, two um, are going to be from the Bible and one's going to be from my own experience. Um, and I'm going to only go through them briefly. So I really want to encourage you to go back into these later this week and and read them again because you can glean so much more than I'm able to give you in this amount of time because I'm sure somebody put on a roast and they don't want jerky when they get home. So I'll go through it quickly. Matthew eight twenty three through 26. He says, as he got into the boat, he's being Jesus, as he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. 
Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, Jesus, was sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are going to die. But he said to them, Why are you fearful? You of little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now this is a very common story, um, kind of popular among Sunday school lessons. And we hear it a lot, but we seldom, or I, say, I will say, I seldom take it to heart. See, the disciples, you would think, out of all people, would have the most faith. They should have not been worried or, or stressed because they were with Jesus all the time. We would think they just watched him perform miracles. They've had firsthand experience of those miracles with Jesus. So you would think they, of all people, should not be stressed. But as Daniel Burnick saying her name wrong, I apologize, Danielle, said in their humanity, it became evident that they had more faith in that the storm would destroy them than that Jesus could save them. And I want to stop and apply that truth right here. Ask yourself, do I have more faith that this storm is going to kill me than I do that Jesus can save me. And have you ever had a really wonderful time with the Lord? Have you ever been in the prayer closet and you just felt his Holy Spirit and you know God was right there with you? Or you're at church, you've had a wonderful time in the service, or even a weekend. Those were great as, as a kid. You'd go on a youth retreat and you just spend a lot of good time with the Lord. But then you get up from your knees. Have you ever had this happen? You get up from your knees, and you head to the kitchen, and your storm starts. Maybe it's a little one, kind of like my crazy storms at my house. If you, you can ask some people who've been to my house, I've got some crazy, chaotic, I got a crazy, chaotic house. <laughs> and my storms start as soon as I hit the floor, you know, I've got, I've got three little ones, five and under, and so you can imagine how my house goes. And I homeschool them, so... Whew. And you'll have two of them screaming at each other and another one tearing down the Christmas tree. It's a crazy storm. Or maybe you're headed to work and you, you get cut off or, and you're getting frustrated, you're getting mad. Maybe you're late for work. Maybe you get to work and your boss has, is being a jerk. And that starts your little storms that are just starting to frustrate you or you have to work with that one person who seems to always get on your last nerve. Those are little storms, but sometimes we get up from the prayer closet and we hit big storms. We hit real big storms. We hit a phone call that so-and-so, who we love with all our hearts, didn't make it through the night. Sometimes we hit those storms that are sudden and they're violent and they're gut-riching. The doctor calls and said, I'm sorry, we've got really bad news. Or you got fired from your job and we're not opening again. Or... Whatever your storm is, have you ever felt like the disciples and you just woke, you just got up from the, the presence of God, you've just been with him, you know he has performed miracle after miracle, but yet you find yourself fearing more and believing more that that storm that day 
is going to kill you more than you believe that Jesus is going to save you. It also says, suddenly, suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Now, I have not had the privilege to see the Sea of Galilee. That's where this has taken place. Jesus was ministering. He's getting on the Sea of Galilee. He's going to go minister to more people on the other side. Um, I did look it up. The Sea of Galilee is a very, very large lake. It's the largest lake, freshwater lake, in, um, in Israel, and it's nearly the size of Washington, D.C. The sea's location makes it subject to sudden and violent storms because it's surrounded by the, um, the mountains, and as the eastern wind drops down into the mountains, it causes sudden storms. I'm, I'm a weather nerd, and I really got into this, and I took this part of the sermon, and I could go on for a week on how this happens because it was fascinating to me, and I was, like, looking up on YouTube and everything else to watch these videos of the sudden storms, and it is wild and really cool. <laughs> but the disciples knew this. They are not like me over here not having a clue how the Sea of Galilee can suddenly get on these storms. This, the disciples, they've lived around there. They were not shocked by this, that the sudden storms would come up. And they were actually, they were, a lot of them were fishermen. So no doubt they have been on the Sea of Galilee in the past before at some point when this sudden storm would come on. So you would think that these seasoned fishermen would have been prepared. And no doubt they probably were. I mean, you don't get on an airplane where the pilot and the crew hasn't prepared for if something goes wrong or if we run into a storm. They know what to do. They've got it prepared. They're not worried. And no doubt the fishermen did as well. The disciples probably had some preparations. I don't know what you would do on a boat for preparations, but they probably had it. And, uh, but this time, things are getting so crazy and so out of control and so violent that they become fearful. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He was not worried. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I don't think Jesus, I, this is me, I don't think Jesus did not know the storm was going on. I think he was at peace in the storm. He was also fully human, and he was at peace. That's another sermon. I told you, go back and glean more from it because you can pull a lot. They have been battling it and fighting it and working on the storm on their own, leaving him to rest. Oh, he's tired because ministry makes him tired. We're going to let him rest until they feel they can no longer handle it on their own. Now they're finally fearful. Now they're going to go to Jesus. Another sermon. You can pull a lot from this. But they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us. And he doesn't jump right up and calm the storm right away. While the storm is still going on, those waves are still coming in the boat, he rebukes them first. He says, why are you fearful? You of little faith. Why did he rebuke them first? Because he's telling them, I'm right here. He is right here in the storm. He's with you in the storm. He's in the boat. You don't have to be afraid. Why are you fearful? Why do you have such little faith that while I'm right here with you, you're still scared? And then he gets up and he rebukes the storm and the winds and the, the, the sea just obeys his voice. Now, we have experienced in this world 
and as a nation, and as a church, and as individuals, we've experienced storms. We've had pandemics. We've had recessions, depressions, and wars, on and on. This is not new. Humans are used to storms coming up in their lives. But 2020 invoked fear. There were several things going on, so many different storms going on, that it was finally to the point where humans were going, this is something I'm afraid of. We were the disciples going, this is, I'm a, I'm a seasoned fisherman, but this is a bigger storm than I can handle. Do you have more faith that the pandemic or the economy or the political climate or whatever can, can destroy you more than you believe that Jesus can save you? And notice that this event, in this one, the disciples call out to Jesus, and he rebukes them, and then he rebukes the storm, and it's all over, and, and everything's good, and everything's calm. And that's how we always want our lives to go. I got up from my knees. There was a storm. I said, oh, God. And then he, he calms it, and the children are calm and nicely, politely talking to each other and sharing their toys. Uh-uh. <laughs> The toddler says, oh, I'm sorry, that's the Christmas tree. I'll leave it alone <laughs> so I don't pull it on myself. We want God to just calm the storm. We want every event to go like that, but that didn't, doesn't always happen in life. It doesn't even always happen in the Bible. Let's flip on over to Acts 27, another storm, another shipwreck. Acts, actually, the disciples weren't shipwrecked. This one, Paul is. Acts 27 uh, it actually goes on a lot. There's a whole lot to this, but I'm going to only read clips of it. Acts 27, 20. For many days neither the sun nor stars appeared in the severe storm raging. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's a prisoner on a ship, and he's headed to Rome. And the severe storm raging. Finally, all hope that we should be saved was disappearing. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives. That's Paul talking to the others on the ship. But only of the ship. For this night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve, highlight that, stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. See, he had a job to do. God had a calling for him. He was to stand before Caesar and look, God has graciously given you all of those who are sailing with you. I want to highlight there, 2720, he says, For many days neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm raging, finally all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. This storm is very well written out in detail throughout this chapter, but it's not just a few hours storm. It's not like they just roughed that out for a couple of hours. It's actually a full two-week ordeal. And before that, he had gone from port to port on rough seas as well. But this one, and we find that out because in Acts 27, 27, he says, when the 14th night came. So they're frightened. They're hungry. They weren't eating. They're battling this storm. And you can't, the, no sun nor, nor, nor stars. You're seeing nothing out on the black for 14 days. But Paul 
is encouraged. Now, he doesn't exclude himself from being, feeling hopeless. He says there, finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. He doesn't say they were feeling hopeless. He says we were feeling hopeless. But at, at the point when he received the word from God, he is no longer feeling hopeless. He is encouraged. An angel of the God I belong to and serve. He belonged to God, and he served God. He received the word from God, and now he is no longer hopeless. God gave Paul a promise. He had a job to do. He gave him encouragement, and he was encouraged by that word. Sound familiar? Am I going somewhere? Because we can also be encouraged by the word. You will feel hopeless in your storm until you receive the word of God. And I want to go go here with it. John 1, 1 explains that the word of God is Jesus Christ. You're going to stay in that that storm of sin, I, 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 really, I don't have this part on my notes, but I really wanted to say your storm of sin is impossible, impossible for you to get through. You're not going to get through that storm when you're going to stay and remain in that hopelessness until you receive the word, until you receive Jesus and you put him on the boat with you. Then you can get through that storm of sin. Then you can get through all of the storms that life throws at you, whether it's sin or COVID or anything. I'm telling you, anything. Jesus in the boat with you and it's going to be okay. Now I've got to find where I was again. I, I told you I was going to give you three stories, and two were from the Bible, and then one of my own. And uh, this one is my story. I know a lot of people have been devastated by COVID. There have been a plenty of people who have been hospitalized, who didn't make it out, and maybe you even know a few who have. And um, I know there's a lot of people that had even a more turbulent journey with it than I did. Um, but I just want to give you what happened to me and the storm we went through and how God brought us through it. On uh, July 22nd, I went into the emergency room. It was wild. I woke up. I couldn't walk. I went to get out of bed, and my legs hurt so bad. I went to just go to the restroom, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I went, and I got my kids. I hollered for my oldest. I said, go get you some crackers <laughs> and mommy's phone, and you guys are going to stay in the bed and eat breakfast for bre in, in the bed with me for a while, and i got to call your daddy. And my son was all excited. We get crackers for breakfast? <laughs> So I called my husband at work, and I said, I need somebody over here, and we got to do something. Something's really, really wrong. I don't feel well, and I can't walk. So he came, and he, um, he took me to the emergency room, and it started a wild storm. I saw him. They could, they, he couldn't come in. He dropped me off at the door, and I didn't see him again for, I think it was about 48 days. I saw him through the window walk away. 
And then I was in there by myself for 48 days. The, now, I don't want to scare you because um, my case was very different and very rare. And every, all of the staff in there were saying, I've never seen a case like this before. Because I didn't just have COVID. I didn't know it, but I was also, I had other infections going on inside my body. And I just kind of thought, it's a cold, I'll get over it. But I had other infections. And so my white blood cells were, you know, way down. And then I caught COVID on top of it. And my body just couldn't handle it. Um, I, don't, I don't know any kind of medical terms or anything like that, so I'm probably not very good at explaining what exactly happened. But um, it hit every system in my body. I went into heart failure. I had pneumonia. I had uh, embolisms in my lungs, blood clots. I had, phew, my legs were... I couldn't walk. I had um, a large infection on my left leg, very painful. And then I had a huge, they called it a hematoma on my right leg that they had to drain. And like I said, I went into heart failure a few times. Um, I was septic. I was a mess. I was a mess. I couldn't talk. And um, I got to a point right before they were taking me, they rushed me off to the ICU, and I believe this was when uh, my heart failed the first time. They rushed me to ICU. I felt like I could only, I felt like I was breathing through a coffee stirrer, just sips of air. And the only two thoughts in my mind was, well, I had a few. My first thought, that's when I realized how serious this was, and I thought, oh, shoot, this is serious. <laughs> They're getting out some crazy equipment. And my other thought was, Jesus, breathe. Jesus, breathe. And that's all I could think for so long. And I think that's strange how we believe we are in so in control of things. We think we're rowing that boat and we have control of our lives. And I realized we can't even breathe without his permission, without his breath in us. We can't even breathe. I went into the ICU, went through several different procedures, a heart procedure. I looked like Frankenstein, if you ask me, because they had me hooked up to every machine. <laughs> and it was the worst storm of my life. I was separated from my kids and my husband and my family, and man, did I hate that. My baby turned one years old, and I was in the hospital. That was tough. But I was in that storm, and I personally did not know how this was going to end. Some of you have said you knew that God was going to walk me out, and I thank you for that. But I personally didn't hear that from God. I didn't know for sure that I was going to make it to my babies. I had no idea, but I also knew it didn't matter. That's not where my hope was. My hope was not resting that Jesus was going to get me out of the storm. It was that Jesus was in the boat with me. That's where my hope was.
It didn't matter what he chose. If he chose to take me home or leave me here, it did not matter because I could be at peace. And I can't even explain to you, I did have peace in that storm. It was crazy. Now, sometimes I did have my moments of fear. And I had my times where I felt real discouraged and down. And I even had times of straight-up anger. There was one time I had had my days of getting real frustrated and angry, and I, um, I could at this point walk, but I was still attached to this, I don't know what those things are called, but they got the IVs hanging and everything, and I had to push it with me everywhere. Those things are heavy, and I real rolled it right over my toe. I was so mad, I really wanted to throw it through the wall. And I think I almost did. I grabbed a hold of it, and then I thought, they're going to make me pay for that. <laughs> Better not throw it. I don't know how much it cost, but I don't think it didn't come from the dollar store. <laughs> but you know what? Every time I would get into those places where I felt discouraged and I felt hopeless like Paul, when I'd get so mad I wanted to throw something through the wall, I would turn on worship music. Sometimes I'd turn on a podcast, or sometimes I would turn on a sermon, but I loved to turn on worship music. I kept it playing in my room almost constantly. My phone was always on the charger because even at night I would have it playing. And I couldn't sing at that time. Actually, the first time I was actually able to sing at all was when you saw me here for the first time. I couldn't sing. I didn't have the air to sing, but I'd turn on the worship music, and I'd let it pour from my heart, and I would lift up my hands, and I would just let it come out of my lips. I couldn't even get it out. It would just be I'd lip sing it, and I'd just be pouring it out. It's your breath in my love. So I'll pour out my praise, i pour out my praise, cause it's your breath in my lungs. I'll pour out my praise to you only, God. All the earth will shout your name. These hearts will sing, my bones will praise, great are you. And I felt the presence of God in that room. The peace of God that passes all understandings, that guards your hearts and minds, would be wrapped around me. He was in the bow while I was in that storm, and I knew it. And I wasn't the only one who knew it. I want to share a little bit of how I knew he was there, because others knew he was there. I would have nurses come in. There was one particular I remember in the ICU. She came in, and she came into my room. She didn't have anything to do at that time. She came into my room because she needed some peace from her work day. She didn't go to the break room. She came to my room. She came in, and she said, there's such peace in this room. And I said, it's the glory of God. People would come into my room 
and they could feel Jesus sitting right there. He was right there with me. I felt it. I knew it. And then, just because God is so awesome and he just wants you and me to know I'm here, he then sent so many people. He sent me, all of you, and friends and family members. I remember I was laying in the bed. I had on my worship music, and I opened up uh, my t- phone, and I had a text from Thelma. And she said she would, or no, I had a voicemail from Thelma that she had been there praying at the hospital. Now, I wasn't allowed to have visitors. They wouldn't even allow my husband on the same floor. If he came and visited the hospital, he was downstairs in the lobby. Not even allowed on the floor that I was on. But yet, so many of you came, stood in the parking lot and in the lobby to pray for me. That was God telling you, go pray for her because she needs extra encouragement this day. Before my heart procedure, there were so many people praying for me. I got so much out of that. I was so blessed by that, by all of your cards and your, your I love yous and text messages. It was, it was how I know, I know he was in the boat. I had one nurse, and this was so exciting, that made me a map. I was going to bring it today, but it's in the very back of the closet at the moment. And Christmas is spilled on that closet. She made me a map, and she started putting pins on this map, word of mouth only, not by Facebook, of states that were praying for me. States. She came into my room one day with a pen. She said, we've got to add Japan. I don't know anybody in Japan. (laughs) But that was God saying, I'm in the boat with you, and I've got people in Japan praying for you. I've got people all over the U.S. praying for you. I have people. There was someone in Korea praying for me. And what was really awesome about that was that map hanging in my room was the greatest peace to just start talking about God. Everybody would come in my room, and there wasn't a person that didn't ask me, are those all the places you've been? No. (laughs) I haven't been to Japan. No. These are all the people praying. And then I started telling, I started telling my nurse, I said, send out emails and tell everybody, don't just pray for me, pray for the whole staff. Pray for COVID. Pray for those people who are also in here with me that are hurting and are sick. Pray for the souls of the people that come into this room. God was in the room, and then I got to talk about him. Wow, does your, does your outlook change at that storm when you see and you know I have more faith that Jesus is going to save me than that this storm is going to destroy me. God did perform a miracle in me. I am here because of him. I can talk because of him. I should have died in the hospital. 
I had a doctor come in after I'd been there. I think it was about six or seven weeks I'd been there, and a doctor came in and said, I am pleasantly surprised to see you alive. I'm pleasantly surprised to be alive. <laughs> I should have died. <laughs> but God, that's right, but God, he chose to save me. And yes, it's the miracle of the doctors and the staff and the, the medicine that he has allowed us to, to, to use but I cannot take the glory away from that it's God that saved my life. But I can't only look at that one miracle and say, that's my miracle. Because the miracle wasn't just that he brought me out of the hospital and he restored me my health. The miracle was that he was in the boat while I went through that storm. He was in the boat with my poor husband who was at home juggling those three without their mama. I remember I FaceTimed him one time and I saw, I don't see Mike cry hardly ever. I mean, really, ever. And I saw him well up with tears as he was praying for me on FaceTime. He was scared and he knew, though, God is in this boat God was in his boat. God was in my boat. He was in the boat with that storm. I want to close with this. 2020 has been a storm for all of us. And we're finally coming to a close. Some people are real excited, but I don't, I don't mean to be sounding all kind of Debbie Downer, but we are not certain that 2021 is going to be any better. There's no absolute that 2021 is not going to bring its own storms, and we don't know how those are going to go. They may not be easier. There's one thing I do know, that like Paul if you belong and serve God, Yahweh, he's in the storm with you. He will be there with you. He's in the middle of depression. He's in the middle of sin. He's in, not, no, what do you mean he's in the middle of sin, Naoma? He's in the middle of your sin storm, and he, can, he alone can save you from sin. Addiction, illness, loss, divorce, whatever storm 2021 may bring, the Prince of Peace can guard your hearts and minds with prayer and thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the God of all peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus I want to pray you can make an altar of your seat or you could just bow your heads and pray with me but I want to pray before closing 
Most blessed Father, I thank you for your peace. Holy God. I love you, Lord, and I thank you, God, for bringing us through the storms. Lord, I pray that you be in our boats, and we thank you that you are there. Guard our hearts and our minds, Lord, and let us be at peace. And if anyone does not know the Prince of Peace, God, I pray that you call their hearts to you, Lord Jesus.